This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 60. This episode features Nicole Lynn Hooley. Nicole Lynn Hooley is an excellent yoga instructor, a Reiki teacher, um, and an old friend of mine from the old Potion Collective days. Um, I've had a couple of different guests on here from those days. I had a Daisy, I had Bill Bartholomew, I had Carrie Lowe, that was a, a Daisy Alecci. Um, I had Steve Nelson, uh, probably had somebody else I'm blanking on right now, but um, anyway, yeah, we go back to the Potion Collective days here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, it was a collective of musicians, artists, all types. Um, both me and Nicole kind of had uh, leadership roles in the group at different points, um, and yeah, we talked about that and just how you know magical that time was and the ups and downs of that because that as it was doesn't exist anymore um as i've said before we all kind of went our separate ways on our own different paths our own journeys branched out um but there kind of seems to be some full circle things happening not necessarily that potion collective will be a thing again but that i don't know there might be some reunion type things happening and just Full circle, circles of life. Um, I'm definitely experiencing it with myself and my time here in New York overall. Um, I feel like I'm back to the beginning, um, but in a different place. Paraxis. Uh, anyway, I hope you're doing well in your journey. You know, sometimes it goes around in circles. Uh, just hopefully you learn something and grow um, with each revolution. Uh so anyway, uh, that sounds like a good way to get into this conversation. Um, it was a good one. It was a deep one. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, this was recorded in the Rack Shack, an all-inclusive lingerie boutique here in Bushwick, Brooklyn, that my wife owns and operates, and I support. And she supports us by letting us record in the basement. So without further ado, this is Nicole Lynn Hooley. Glowing heart Reiki. Let's have a conversation. So, Nicole, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so, you've been uh, teaching yoga and different like healing things for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with you? <laughs> um, it's a fun, fun very big question I guess right now but um yeah I've been teaching yoga for about eight years now which is crazy um I've been like realizing lately like oh yeah no you're an adult you're no longer um messing around um but lately I've actually been I fell into a situation where I'm um becoming co-owner of a yoga studio in Greenpoint which is really cool Um, but we're going to be kind of reworking it so that it, uh, fits my own home, my own practice, my, my Reiki school as well, and kind of use, use, uh, the yoga studio model 
and blend that with the collective model, which is something that I've been kind of working with ever since we were working with the Potion Collective. So the idea of putting a lot of different talents and and um, interests together uh, to serve the community rather than just the old patriarchal uh, consumerist model of doing things. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Potion Collective. Uh, <laughs> I've had a couple people in here from from that time, and there's a lot of different perspectives of that time. And I think, though, the one common thing is, like, everybody does remember the magical times of it. And then, you know, whatever happened after. Um, but uh, for me and my experience with it, definitely uh, you were one of my favorite, like, people and energies like around during that time um so i have positive memories of you pretty much yeah only positive of you just so you know um i don't think everyone feels that way but it's nice to hear that (laughs) yeah um you know you can't please everybody and that's that was a hard thing for me during that time was there was a time where i felt very hurt and (laughs) angry um partially because you know, everybody has a different perspective on that time and experience, but like there was a part where I felt in, in, you know, and then now that there's been so much time, you know, I I also have to question myself and, and realize that some of it, some of it probably was true that I was feeling. And some of it also, you know, we have what's going on and then we have also what's going on in our own, in our own heads. Um, yeah. And that can be just as as negative as any outside, you know, yeah. opinions and stuff. I think that time was, I remember it really fondly. And then I remember getting my heart broken over yeah. it pretty harshly and, and intensely. Um, but in general, it just seemed um, like anything. It was great and full of energy and super, super fun. And then at some point, people were getting married and they're moving off and leaving the city and then there was so much pressure on who was left to kind of fill a void and it wasn't something that could be filled and instead of acknowledging that something was dying people wanted to blame it on someone yeah um and we as a society still do that we just scapegoat our problems onto other people maybe because we're not as successful as we want to be or things don't look the way that they want to look so we need to blame Someone is usually the people who have been like really kind and helpful <laughs> yeah. that we blame. And, and I think, I think um, it's because it's safer. You know, the, the nicer people are less likely to speak up or backlash or anything like that. You're not likely to go after the most badass person because <laughs> you're not going to survive that. So, but yeah, at that time I, I volunteered a lot of my time and energy and really, really believed in the artists that were a part of it. Um, and tried to do what I thought was like a community service. And it was a moment in time where I really saw um, how people respond to, that was one of my first times really like responding and seeing and feeling like, first of all, taking on something that was of many and trying to really live it that way, but like using community organizing skills that I learned from college and just trying to like, oh, let's apply this and maybe it will help and we can like legitimize this. 
But instead, I think I took on like a power role and I didn't intend for that. Like I was trying to organize it so it was clear that I wasn't, but it was miscommunicated. And I just saw people respond to me in this way as like a boss or um, a woman in power or something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's ultimately what made me like step all the way away from it was that. And it was like sort of, and it wasn't, you know, I didn't have on top of just the thing of like community organizing and stuff like, um, like perceived people, like it's like when people come into a group and there's like a lot of people, um, sometimes there's like a different people who kind of have like leadership positions and not like whether they're voted on or just kind of are. Um, and because I think a lot of our, the way our society is set up, um, yeah, a lot of times when people see leaders, yeah, we automatically think of them as like bosses and think of them in that like power structured way. We don't trust people in leadership because yeah. of the examples in our society. So even if you have the best intentions, people are triggered by it. So you could be coming from like the most loving, like giving place and, and you're triggering people's uh, authority issues Yeah, and they want to take it out on you. And I just remember the conversations I'd have with people where they wouldn't even be, they would be looking at me, but they'd be looking past me. Like they were talk, they're yelling at me and I'm like this person I'm like are you kidding like my right. heart breaking because I'm like really because I just you know thought we were, I don't know why I even did this but just like looking past me clearly angry at some bigger thing and 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 that that really put me on like a long journey of avoiding being in authority and not in authority but in leadership but I can't help but be yeah. in leadership because at, that is probably what I'm here to do in some capacity yeah Um, But it's scary to, you know, to have ambition to really help and build community and then to have those that you're trying to serve turn on you is really And especially like when you're not like what you're the only thing you're getting out of it is the like seeing something grow. Like that's all anybody was really like nobody was really getting anything out of it at that point. Like money, like there were some questions around money things at certain points but like that definitely came up a a few times yeah but anybody who actually knows like what was going like there wasn't it wasn't enough for it to really matter in the end and like yeah I think I did the we did a few different locations once I was um organizing the events and all I was really doing is just like making sure they happened Mm -hmm. um but at some point um Lucia um, contacted me and said that we could do the open mic at Brooklyn Fireproof. And I think I we were that. doing that for maybe six months to a year. And at the end of the year, I was saving everything that we brought in. I think it was $700 altogether for yeah. a whole year of running events. And like, this is my evening hours of my time organizing, promoting all that. And then I put that into a, um, creating a, what's it called? a zine of some kind and I collaborated with a few people to do it. A few of them just like dropped off of the face of the earth at the end. Everyone criticized the zine because it didn't look the way, but like no one helped me do it. I've never made a zine before. I just wanted to help everyone and to use the money that, you know, I had to, to kind of promote the artists. Um, 
And also to, to explain like, Hey, like, yeah, cause people seem to be it anyway. Um, and at the end of that, it's like a year of my time saving money to make the zine, had people drop out of the zine. It was there. It still did what it was supposed to do, but the end got like the back of it was, didn't look very good. I agree. It didn't look as good as I wanted it to, but I had people like take me to lunch to tell me to like publicly announce that I had failed at organizing. And I'm just like, you can't fail at community service. Like you, you, um, yeah. But at the end of it, you know, what I saw was just kind of like that being the, like a very small microcosmic, uh, example of what really goes on in the world and like why we have so many issues because we can all be on the same team trying to save something trying to fix something and all of our we're so caught up in our head and our trauma that we just block each other and and sabotage each other so i'm still at the whole collective model just because i really do believe that there is a way to do it right and i keep failing at it <laughs> and and i think the more i realize like you have to be willing to fail and it it's helping. But each time I fail, it's it hard. Is, it's, it's not hard. that it's, e- yeah, it's never easy. But it's the same thing with like being in love. Like you have a relationship, it fails. It's not like you're never going to try to be in love again. Like at some point you're going to do it and, and you know, you'll still have like the remorse of past times, but you can't, you can't give up, especially if it's your passion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also think the, that's like an interesting discussion about the community ideal kind of is a larger discussion that's happening right now. Like there were uh, some riots in Paris recently and in France and I posted some, I just posted kind of that that happened and somebody posted and I agree with her, but like that this could be us, like very shortly, depending on just how things go, like on the political landscape, the economic, like financial landscape, um, but that uh, nonviolence is a better tactic, which I definitely agree with. The problem, though, is that it's I like I don't blame the rioters. Like it's you know, of course, I would rather them you know find a constructive way but what it looks like it looks like history repeating itself people being pushed to their limits people marching people trying everything and then people just being pushed past their breaking point because the financial like system that we've been going on the capitalist every person for themselves model that doesn't work either so it's it's tricky like it has to be I think ultimately, yeah, like there has to be some, there can be a better way. And I think it doesn't have to be just one or the other. So it's like, yeah, definitely a community. But then like within the community, people are going to like play different roles. And those roles can change too, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's, it's just like finding the roles that make the most sense for the person to really show up and feel proud of what they're doing and, and really give it their all. Um, but no one's really, I mean, at least in my experience, like what I experience, I wouldn't recommend people taking on leadership roles because it's, it's really emotionally demanding, at least not people that are pure hearted. 
uh, that actually are going to be devastated when someone misinterprets their intentions. But it's the pure-hearted people that should be doing it. So until we start to become more mindful as a as a culture, you know, we're really we're we have to admit that like we are getting what we deserve in the world. Absolutely. You know, if you go home and you talk about the person who's been nothing but loving to you, that's given you nothing but gifts constantly and you're making fun of that person, then you're wondering why there's war in the world. You're wondering why people aren't cared for. Like it's it's correlated. It's, it's a, it's a symptom. You are a part of an overall illness in the world. And and that's why we have to really kind of look at ourselves. Like, um, is this person that I am judging as being really awful and evil, abusive, manipulative, whatever we want to say, are they that, or am, do I have something going on within me that is projecting my stuff, my experiences onto this person? Um, and how can, how can we communicate like, hey, what's happening right now is triggering me. Let's have an honest communication about it so that we can get past it rather than chalking pe- good people up to be um, something really, It's yeah. I have that conversation with my mom a lot, actually. She's um, somebody I like probably look up to most in the world like she uh, your mother before she's pretty pretty cool um she she was a lawyer for the Puyallup Indian tribe when I was growing up and she was a public defender before that so she never like was like a rich lawyer by any means um and and then when she retired she joined a group and I remember when I was still growing up she saw this group and they're called the raging grannies (laughs) um and they go and dress up in granny clothes and um and sing like protest songs. Um, and she's still not a granny, even though she, she mentions that she wants to be <laughs> like one. Her, yeah. Um, <laughs> she, uh, like from that, she's kind of even radicalized that group and recently took like direct action and was a valve turner and was facing felony charges. Um, and was recently acquitted. Thank God. Cause I did not want her to like go to prison or anything like that. Um, But when we talk about things, she, because she's been at it for so long and she does have great ideals and stuff like that, but like, she is so frustrated. Sometimes we have the debate of like, even the worst people, like, I think it's hard to do, but I think like, you have to still try to find the humanity in them. Because I feel like if we don't, Like, we're doomed in a way. I just don't believe um, that anyone is actually evil. And I know that, you know, I've had conversations with a lot of people. I'm definitely an idealist. I can't help it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But I really, I just don't believe it. I think that even the people that we can wholeheartedly just be like, no, that's a terrible dude. That's a terrible person. Awful. I honestly think people are doing the best that they possibly can with what they were given. And I totally get that. And I... um not that they can't do better if they know better, Mm -hmm. um, but with what they have right now, they're doing their best. And half the time they think they're, they're doing good from their own moral backing. Um, and if they are doing bad, they usually feel pretty ripped up about it in some capacity, not all the time. Um, but if they're not feeling bad, there's some sort of level of ignorance that is occurring where they're not aware that they're doing so badly, uh, or hurting people or anything like that. Um, 
so I think, you know, the whole liberal place where we, I'm definitely a liberal. Um, some people will tell me that I lean conservatively, but I think they're just judging me for other reasons. But, um, I can't imagine that though, like, <laughs> knowing you. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, we haven't had every political discussion, but I don't think of you as conservative. I'm, I'm definitely not conservative at all, but I, I, um, I am definitely, I, I vote liberal and I'm a, a, an eco-feminist. I believe, you know, I'm, I believe that the way that we're going to really heal the, the current situation of the earth is for men, women, whatever you identify as to start to take on some of um, the more feminine ideals and, and understand that the reason why we're so sick is because we're detached from nature. We're just, we don't, value the mother we don't value the feminine aspects of humanity understanding that everyone no matter what they were born as in this world they are they have the feminine within them they cannot not have it and uh, our emotions our sensitivity all of the things that make us feel uh, are also what inspire art what inspire all the beautiful things in the world so for us to uh, really push that down in the interest of power and uh, greed and and whatever else, rationality, professionalism, all of that is really making us sick because it makes people not truly show up as themselves. They're always kind of hiding uh, the sweetness within them. Um, and it also makes it so that we don't appreciate what we have uh, and we cover it and plaster it over with roads and Walmarts and things like that. Um, but that all being said... And that hippie talk being said, I still think the liberal dialogue that we have upsets me a lot because, you know, to just put out there this hate yeah. toward politicians, toward, directed towards uh, public servants, um, that hate, all it does is make people hopeless. And it also it discourages good people from stepping up. Um, but it it makes me worry that people care more about the look or like, oh, if I say this point, then I'm going to have a bunch of followers and not about the total package of somebody, um, the soul, the, the, the essence that they're bringing forward. Um, but also just this, this kind of blind hate towards politicians where we're ignoring their, it doesn't people, comedians, actors, actors, whatever it is. If someone makes a mistake, we just completely hate them. Yeah. Uh, right now and it just it's a it, it's not something I want to be associated with at, at all um, so I hope that we can be activists and we can hold people accountable without spreading hate or just kind of you know putting a line in the sand like this person is crap I think a George Bush died and I know George Bush died <laughs> and I'm not saying that I believe in his politics or anything like that but at some point, can can people die without us making it, without us being outraged that people were upset about it? Like, is it really, are we really at a place where we can't, like, respect death? We can't respect that? Like, what, what, at what point did we lose our humanity where a person on the day that they died, we can't just be quiet for a that, minute? That's what I was, like, I was like, um, and I, I observed that too, like, and I definitely... Like was, I mean, I was young, but I definitely remember because I was like when I was born, it was Reagan and then Bush won. And um, 
like I remember the start of the Iraq war um, and all of that. And like, I remember marching against that with my, with my parents back in the day um, and understanding, like I very much disagree with, with his politics then. Um, it's also interesting compared to now that like, if you play Ronald Reagan speeches now, and if you play George H.W. Bush speech, and even George W. Bush's. Yeah, like, please. Um, compared <laughs> to, like, the rhetoric coming out of the, like, main Republican Party right now, they sound like liberals back then. Mm-hmm. By no means do I consider them liberals. Yeah. For that matter, um, I have a lot of criticisms of the Clinton administration not being liberal enough. And, like, as far as holding people accountable... Um, I think history's going to be pretty kind to Obama. Um, and he was definitely the best president in my lifetime for mm-hmm. sure. But there are still things that I don't like I that he it. did, like especially the the drone stuff, um, some of the privacy stuff. There's things like you can disagree with things and you can also find redeemable things. And it's also like you said, um, even if you can't, like, you don't have to lionize the people when they die. Like, you don't have to, like, you know, you don't have to say anything, though. Like, you yeah. can just be respectful. And that's where I guess, like, died. people <laughs> like, will think that I might be a little bit conservative just in the viewpoint that I think that no matter what your political views are, your human- your humanity comes first. And I definitely think that there's awful things happening and we all need to stand up. We need to do something about it. But before we blame every single person who's served in um, in civil service or whatever for these issues, like I use a I use an iPhone on a regular yeah. basis, on a regular basis. So I can say whatever I want about the politicians, but I'm a fucking asshole because I know that iPhone mm-hmm. is fucked up. It's not OK. Yeah, it's not OK. I know that these these clothes have have the cost. Po- all, of- they're doing all kinds of things that are terrible. I know that the the car that I took here hurt some taxi, uh, New York taxi service by me taking it. I know that and I'm doing it because it's the times that we're living in. And I'm, I'm, I try not to take it very often. I try not to buy very many clothes. I try, I haven't updated my iPhone. It's really, really old. I won't get a new one. I'm doing my best. But at the same time, until I'm squeaky clean, you know, I, I don't really have the right to destroy another human being Mm -hmm. an entire pub party you can disagree with for sure their politics everything um but at the end of the day this this activity of just like taking down people really bums me out and even you know i'm totally for the me too movement and i think all of that needs to happen for sure and i it's been so freeing for me um to have that public conversation it's incredible but I would like it to be more about, you know, what the women are calling forward and less about how awful these men are because it's really missing the point because all it's saying is like, oh, I'm not as bad as that man. So I, you know, we're not, it's not helping. We're still not listening to the women, really. We're not, nothing's actually changing there. So if we keep scapegoating people in society, we're never going to change because we're always going to think, well, I'm not as bad as Trump. I'm not, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as that woman. It, it doesn't help us at all. Um, yeah, I, I think 
if we're living in these times, we need to look at ourselves. If we see all these people that are terrible examples, who are they leading? And, um, but the point about the liberal, um, like the hate that's kind of being spread around, I think it makes it really hard for conservatives to really take any of the points to heart because it just seems like we're attacking them. And so there's no, they're gonna just hold more strongly to their viewpoint, we're gonna hold more strongly to ours, and we're just gonna keep clashing heads. Um, so it's kind of finding the common ground, and at the end of the day, the that's what I really want to work towards. And I think, in my heart, you know, I studied philosophy in college, and I kind of like signed myself up on this journey that I was going to live the philosophical life, and I, I'm going to live authentically, and I'm going to live according to my passions because I'm going to die anyway, and like, what's the point, otherwise? And it's going to be hard whether you have money or not. <laughs> it's gonna, it's it's always going to be hard. So you might as well do what you want. And um, the whole collective model is just kind of like, to me, like a social experiment of like, okay, well, if we empower everyone in it, what happens then? Oh, everyone's empowered, so now they're going to disempower the person that empowered them. Um, so it's just a fun experiment to really see what's going on in people and like where their trauma is and um, how how that really plays out. And I don't think I'm going to solve any of the problems, but while I'm here, I, I just, I'm enjoying it. And, and also, you know, having my heart broken occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. So what else is going on with you? Um, what else is going on with me? And what's the name of the, the school also? What's, oh, the, the Reiki school? Yeah. My Reiki school is Glowing Heart Reiki School. Um, and you said that's in Greenpoint. It's in Greenpoint. It's and right now, well, the Reiki school is not necessarily anywhere. I'm me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we've been doing. Um, I've been hosting things at a yoga studio called Narayana Yoga Project, and we'll pro- we're probably changing our name soon. And that's on Nassau and Humboldt. Um, and so I'm doing that, teaching Reiki running this studio, trying to work on the collective model, um, and then also um, kind of cleansing from a year-long project that I did with another collective that I, I attempted. Was um, that, uh, was it Mama Roots? Uh, Root Mama. Root Mama. Yeah. It's close. Very close, very close. So back in March of 2017, uh, I was invited to start giving a Reiki out of a friend's house, um, who I had, uh, attuned to Reiki and, uh, I went to India, came back and was just like, sure, let's do this. And one thing led to another, then eventually the basement opened up and we, we opened a little space and in general, I'm very hesitant about business or I, in, I just, I don't, I'm a little bit, um, I don't like money yet. I'm trying to learn how to and learn how to care about it, but I'm probably never going to. Um, so my, my going into this, uh, this venture was just kind of like, I'll do it, but like, we're not going to do a business because I don't want to, it scares me and I don't feel comfortable. And you know, I'm not even married to my partner of 11 years, so I'm not going to marry anyone else. (laughs) Um, so instead, you know, I've, I've been trying this, this women's collective idea over the years, a few years ago, I tried to do it with a few friends. It was called the Lotus Project. 
Um, and then that fell apart because it was supposed to be a women's collective and they, they didn't want to do it without men. And I was just like, okay, well, whatever. And then I tried again, um, at a yoga studio and they didn't like the idea. Then I tried another yoga studio, but they wanted to like charge the practitioners too much. And the whole point was to make it affordable. And then finally, um, I almost bought a space or had a space near my house and we were going to call it joyful soul. And I've been like working on this really cool idea where, setting it up where people would like share the, everyone's going to take my idea, (laughs) but everyone's doing it now. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but everyone would kind of share the running of the space, uh, share the rent and they would just run their own business out of it. Um, and, but it would look like a regular yoga studio or, or a healing space. And so I got to do that with this project and it was really, really cool but quickly it started to turn into a business and it started to look like a business. And then people would be like, oh, congratulations on your business. And I would be like, no, it's, it's not a business. Then the next thing I knew, it was a business. And um, the universe just kind of pushed me out. And it wasn't really working. It wasn't a healthy um, collaboration in a lot of ways, although I really love the people that we worked with. For me, I wasn't able to really do all the things I wanted to do in that space or grow in the way that I want it to. And then just like energetic dynamics and the whole, the whole same thing that happens in that scenario where, you know, if someone is, even though you think you're all equals, someone takes on, um, there's always power dynamics. So that starts to fall apart. Um, and it still lives, Root Mama still lives, but it's more of, it's a private business now of some sorts. And, but the collective aspect of it, that, you know, I think will grow either with Root Mama or on its own. But the whole point is kind of to empower women to have their own businesses without, you know, biting off the, the cost of paying rent on your own, um, without needing to be overwhelmed by the fact that you're working by yourself in a in a business all day, like you still get the community of working with other people, but you are in charge of your own work and no one's profiting off of you. Um, And this was kind of really inspired by just like working for so many other people for this whole time and really not being compensated, compensated according to my worth. Um, I've been doing this for a while and I, you know, I haven't paid a cent of my college loans back because I have not made enough to you know, hardly even live in the city, uh, let alone pay rent. Um, So I was inspired by that. And then also just realizing at some point, uh, this is a little much, but um, it's just energy exchange, the work I do. And I started to kind of feel like a prostitute. I don't know how to really explain it, but it was just kind of like how often, how long can you possibly do this where you're exchanging your energy for someone else's profit? Mm-hmm. So I'm here, someone's giving me, like I'm giving all this energy, all this beauty, leaving with $25 or whatever. And then the owner is going on uh, like trips all over the world and I'm just exhausted and I don't really necessarily understand why. So how can you use your energy in a way that's less toxic or um, depleting? But yeah, I haven't figured it out just yet. And, and now apparently I'm going to be running a business and I never thought I would be doing that. So maybe I sold out. 
no, it's <laughs> exciting, you know, um, do your best. Um, you're definitely like, I can speak to your yoga teaching. Excellent. Like one of my favorite teachers of all time. Thank so you. you definitely deserve, you know, to be able to, to do that and, and have it be rewarding for you. You know, I'm sure it's rewarding on the one, but to have it be able to like sustain you and, yeah, I think that's the big thing for the women in the industry is that, you know, you're working on this thing for a while and then eventually you burn out because there's not like, what are you going to do? It's like being like a racehorse, like eventually you can't do it anymore. And you're not making enough to really put anything in a 401k. It's just, it's like being an artist, but you're, yeah. So just kind of working on a model where this can be more sustainable and I haven't figured it out yet, but I think a lot of women right now are waking up to it there's all kinds of women's collectives opening and and um I think that's a really um good good way to go about it um I recently I talk about this too much lately but um I've been getting back to acting and um are now do you have any like acting or I've seen you perform in some of the bands Mm. um but do you have any like of that inclination? No, not at all. Um, it you made me think of it because I just started this class with this teacher, and it's a film acting class, and she's um, primarily a director. Like she always knew she wanted to be a director, um, but she ended up being a casting director for a long time, um, and through that kind of became like an actor like she would coach a lot of the actors that were auditioning for her and she was casting rent. And then she ended up assistant directing somebody going on this whole journey and then coming all the way back around and, um, getting back to like directing proper. Um, and then one of the most important things that she was talking about in our first class was finding and building your community, like everything about not specific to acting and directing, but I think it's, true with everything like finding that building that collective either joining it or building it it's like one of the best things that you can do and so for her she um created and helped build like a women's directing kind of collective um and it's you know I don't know it's not necessarily tangible what that does exactly but having that support network in and of itself like yeah helps I think it's an imperfect it's like it's not quite there yet because we as women really are we're not ready we're not really ready to work together just yet so we're we're getting there for sure and we're realizing like we're all on the same team and like some of the stuff that has been really fed into our minds is starting to dissolve but it's still very very much there we see each other as competition and it's and we don't know our worth yet um a lot of us are coming onto it so there's like a surface level of like oh i have worth and and i feel good but uh, what I've been realizing is we 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 want to be equal. Um, I don't. I can't speak for male-bodied uh, humans, but I know from my perspective and working with so many women at this point, like we want to be equal, and we see each other as equal for the most part, um, unless we're our confidence is low or we haven't done the work yet or whatever. But 
what happens is if if we see someone who's empowered as a woman in a leadership role, um, a lot of times other women will will break her down. We'll talk about her when she leaves the room. I don't really. I'm not. I'm saying we, but um, we notice all the things that she's doing wrong. We'll pull her, pick her apart. Like you can think of how people talked about Hillary. Notice, you know, whatever. Um, and I think what's happening there is that we see someone we admire and we're like, wow, they're powerful and we don't feel good about ourselves yet. So we can't let that person be above us. So we have to break them down in order to feel equal. So if we see that happening, that's how we feel equal rather than realizing, oh, that person's really empowered. I have the ability to also be empowered. And what can I maybe learn from that yeah. person? Yeah, and like how do I work on my own self-worth so that I don't feel threatened by that woman and I don't need to be- break her down? And basically, once women have that self-worth, once we, we kind of heal everything we've been through, I, I think, think... I think that can be applied to everybody too. Like yeah. definitely, I, I can see what you're saying about like women like fall into that trap maybe more because there is actually an added level of like oppression like My, in the yeah, patriarchy mm-hmm. um but same with like racism and stuff like that um and that same thing happens like i can tell you like that's definitely like within the black community one of the hardest things uh is uh for black owned businesses to like succeed mm. um because one of the hardest like it's like basically for black owned businesses to succeed a lot of times it feels like um they have to be accepted by like mainstream white mm. people then it'll succeed um but until that happens black people are really hard on other black businesses um you know what i mean yeah. like it's like and like what gives you the right or what it, I don't know. I don't really like you know were saying, what like the is. picking apart. Yeah. Um, so it's like, especially in the beginning, like every some businesses start off like everybody starts at different places, but no enterprise, no business, no project starts off a finished project. You know, mm-hmm. it starts somewhere. Um, but yeah, so a lot of black owned businesses buy other black people when they first open people are impatient and quick to point out all the, all the flaws, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I, I noticed that right now with the current business that I'm, I'm doing from the perspective of, um, my perspective, but the, you know, I've, I'm volunteering my time right now. You know, I had, I'm not making anything. I'm not even officially an owner. I've just been working constantly in good faith because I'm that person. And, just the mean-spirited, harsh responses, like, this was unprofessional. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Did I give off the impression that, like, I, that this was going further than it was or that I had, like, a whole staff over here? Because I'm pretty sure I was pretty clear, like, hey, I'm starting something new, you know. Uh, but the idea, I think we want that. We want what we were raised with in, in the 90s and the, in the early 2000s where, like, everything was, like, super you know, just we were told what we wanted and it was packaged and it was like everything seemed like super taken care of, very corporate, whatever. Um, but that doesn't really exist in, in s- small businesses or especially um, with people who are doing things for the first time and they're excited and 
and everything like that. It, yeah, I'm just always amazed by how much, how much we expect, um, from people. Uh, and I think it's because of the corporate model. It really like sets a precedent, but what we don't understand is yes, you can have this like clean, super organized, whitewashed, patriarchal product, but it's not going to have the soul, the love, the care, the, the heart of something that's, you know, made by people who are, are super inspired and passionate about what they're doing and they're, and they're doing it completely off of drive, you know? So yeah, but we we can't just tell people to be patient, although I do, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, dynamic with small businesses. I've run a few small businesses at this point and yeah, I think, I think in general too, in today's world, we, we have most of our conversations behind, um, computer screens. So again, our humanity has been displaced. We, we don't even realize like something we're saying is going to have, like, it's going to make someone's face turn red or their eyes well up or their throat gets stuck or like, you know, we don't have to, we don't ever have to deal with that because we can just text someone oh, this isn't working out, or that was really unprofessional, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, that's one of the reasons um, I love doing the podcast, actually, is to have one-on-one conversations with people without like looking at the phone, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, even when we do have one-on-one conversations now, you're checked out half the time, you know? Yeah, you're just like, uh, or like, oh, wait, I need to respond. Yeah, or, yeah something really terrible is happening to our brains <laughs> from all of the the disconnection and also just being behind the screen. I know that there's an app now. I don't know the name of it. We had to do research, but it, it measures how much time you're spending on the yeah. screens on each thing. I think I'm going to download it. but Yeah, I, I can't remember. That. I know the one you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> like um, screen time. So next time that comes, yeah, yeah, it might be screen time. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Um, where's the best place for people to like follow you? Um, to follow or, me. you know, whatever you want people to, I'm kind of like to. in between all the things right now, but it, the, if you want to follow the glowing heart Reiki, I don't think anything I said would be like, Oh, I really want to practice Reiki with this. Person. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Like you, um, well, why don't you talk about Reiki actually a little bit too for like people who, cause I sort of know what it is, but I sort of don't. Okay. I would love to. Yeah. Um, so Reiki is just another word for the, uni- the energy of the universe, uh, universal life force energy. And the way I like to think of it, it's the energy that kind of put the cosmos together that made the planet that, um, that kind of has been expanding since the big bang. And it is in your hands, it's in your body, it's making you function. And Reiki basically just gives you some tools uh, so that you can focus on that energy and use it to help people relax, to help yourself relax. And the belief is that when we relax and we're not stressed and we're not worried about the issues in our life, uh, they kind of work themselves out. Um, The body can heal more easily. Um, When the mind isn't worried about something going on, we kind of the solution just pops in. And, um, so Reiki, that's like a very quick description of it. Um, but Reiki is, is the application of that energy work through hands-on healing. Um, but I teach it more as a spiritual practice, uh, for practitioners to just kind of 
use it in their life. And I, and in my heart, I think that this is a way where we can start to find that human heart to heart connection with each other and, uh, with our, in our lives so that we're not feeling so isolated and, and we're more aware. Uh, and also when we're in this place where we're a little bit more relaxed when, you know, even though really difficult things happen in life, um, you can zoom out and there's like a bigger perspective. Uh, so it really helps you with this, this, um, a lot of the subjects that we were talking about today so that you, they don't become too overwhelming or mm-hmm. too burdensome. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I teach that and I also offer those sessions and the name of that is glowing heart Reiki and that's at glowing heart Reiki on all the things, <laughs> Instagram, cool. Facebook, yeah. And then where are you teaching yoga also right now? I'm teaching yoga at a bunch of places. Um, I'm really, I'm in my mind, I, my yoga business is like me. Mm-hmm. That's one business. So I teach that at, and I don't really consider it a business. It's service work. Uh, I teach that at Daya in Bushwick, which I really love teaching there. Um, at where is the, that one? It's, um, it's on Jefferson. Okay. I don't know the exact. Like time. near Irving? Near the house of yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Between Wyckoff and Irving, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I teach at Lucent Yoga uh, in Greenpoint, at Narayana in Greenpoint, and at Chalk Gyms. And then there's Glowing Heart. This is the second project. And then, then the third project is Narayana, but that is going to be turning into a collective with a few other businesses. And that is going to be called the Devi Collective. And Devi is uh, Sanskrit, it's from the Hindu religion, but Devi basically is the mother goddess or the um, the goddess that is embodied in many different forms. So the idea is just like the the divine feminine. Um, and the and the project is just going to be kind of collaborating with other uh, women and see see how it happens and see what comes up. Um, it's definitely in its like early stages, uh, and I've learned a lot so far. So we'll see what happens. And it might, I'm I'm interested to see where it will all be like five to ten years from now. If I'll just be like, screw women's collectives, or you know, if there's a completely different one, or if I'm still doing this, or if Root Mama comes back around, or whatever happens. But it's a really cool thing. Um, the most important thing, though, that I think I'm doing <laughs> is really trying on a regular basis to um, meditate and visualize um, everyone on the planet like feeling at ease. And if I, instead of following me on like Instagram or social media or anything like that, I would just really love it if people on like a once a day or like even if they just hear this and just do it one time just having a moment where you just imagine everyone just kind of take like a and just relax all at once and um yeah I just I really hope that we can all kind of feel more ease in our hearts and ourselves and have more love for ourselves and treat each other better Uh, whether it be in the artist community, whether it be walking down the street, whether it be in politics, whether it be on social media, Um, because there's so many good people and we're focusing on the wrong stuff. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think people would like love to, you know, 
do you have now do you have a blog or anything i know you said but like for that kind of i do think it's a good message so is there like like nicole nicole and huli on instagram is kind of my blog okay yeah i have had so many blogs over the years and I'll, i'll have one again my favorite blog that i ever had was her um her freedom blog and it was basically about like the eco-feminist agenda but um at some point I got really embarrassed and took it down but maybe I'll put it back up one day cool <laughs> Instagram's cool though too um, yeah for general you know it's... evolution of mm-hmm. thought of you know of your thought of everyone's yeah. yeah and their faces mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yeah um, is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. What are you doing? What's, what, do you, how? Yeah, well, it's been quite the year. Like I was, uh, before this and before kind of thinking about starting a podcast, I was, uh, I was managing Pinebox for a couple of years. Um, and then I did a play and during the play stopped managing Pinebox, um, it was coming to a head. Uh, it was their decision ultimately, but it was at a time when I was kind of questioning the path that I found myself on that at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I still have the band. We've kind of been on hold since July mm-hmm. um, because I've been like really like I realized I missed acting like that was something Mm -hmm. that I always loved doing and um, I'm part of a theater company now and it's like the theater company is called Shelter Theater and it's actors writers and directors so most of the people like most of the actors are actors slash writers which is also really um, really calls to me yeah Um, it seems like such like a creative yeah yeah. Um, And they're celebrating 10 years um, right now. I've been involved with for them for like the past year and a half, I think. Mm. Um, and so we're going to do something coming up to celebrate 10 years, um, figuring that out. Uh, but that is, it's an interesting, it's, a, it's interesting joining this group because they've somehow managed to find some balance of that, you know? Mm. And I know they went through the growing pains early on of just having everybody everybody decide things to now there's there are kind of like there there's artistic directors and there's um managing the managing director but still it's also still very collaborative with everybody um yeah so that's been that's been kind of fulfilling um and then yeah I almost I had several meetings with this agent a few months ago, and then that didn't come through. And so you it was had like, like a super big close. Hope bubble. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that was really hard. Um, that's the hardest thing for me is like when you're close to something and then it doesn't. Uh, but instead of, I, I did kind of feel bad for myself for a while. Um, but instead of staying there, I decided to get back. Yeah, you just keep going at it. Yeah. And I think that's like the main thing with the, you know, I've been so devastated this summer over the, the, um, the women's collective not working out or in the way that I want it to. And, 
um, lately, finally, you know, just being like, oh, yeah, it didn't work out. But like, you can keep trying. Like, it, it doesn't mean you you're supposed to fail. Like, of course, of course, fail as many times as you need to. But the whole point is to not give up. And if you really care about it enough, you don't give up. And they're the people that succeed because they care about it enough and they want to. And and not letting yourself get bitter. I had a conversation with, with one of my students one day. I just like something happened and all of a sudden I was welling up. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm bitter. <laughs> and I just like, and it hurt so bad because I, you know, I remember being a little kid and seeing adults that seemed like they didn't care anymore. And me just being like, I never want to be that way. Like, I always want to keep my heart. Like, I always want to keep my passion. And that's the thing that really broke my heart this summer was just like, I felt like, oh, completely destroyed. And the conversation was just like, I'm just so afraid that I'm like broken and I'm just going to be a bitter adult now. And like, I'm not going to like that, like heart isn't going to come back. Um, and I'm not completely there, but I think just really having some sort of practice, you know, and we call it a spiritual practice, but it doesn't need to have anything to do with like the woo woo stuff. Like it can just be you tapping with your heart every day or just something that you commit to every day that reminds you that like what your passion is, like what you care about and like, you know, keeps you in love with life, even if there's all kinds of things going wrong. Um, Cause if we're in love with life, we're going to go after those things that really matter to us, not to give you advice about it, but no, it's you're great. one of the most talented people I know. So if you, if you don't keep at it, like it, it will make me bitter. <laughs> well, I th- thank you. I appreciate that. That was something like with acting that I realized, like that was something that I always did and had like completely, I told myself for a while that I just didn't want to anymore, but I, I had given up. Um, and I think, you know, also, even if you do give up, the other thing with that is you can always get back up. Like, it's yeah. never too late. So, like you said, also, like, we only have one life. And, yeah, so you might as well do the things that you know you yeah. are calling you, you know, to do. Yeah, and it's it's not it doesn't even need to be about like approval of other people, right. recognition, money. That that's something that I realized recently. I've been working for the last year and a half basically for free. I occasionally make money when I teach a restore a Reiki class or like get a Reiki client, but on to to be honest, uh I'm technically impoverished, but like not at all compared to people who are actually in poverty in the world that can't feed themselves. I'm so abundant and so rich and I know that. Um, but when it comes to other people my age, I'm not doing so well. Um, but at the same time, I, I would rather be there and there are things that afford me to do that. You know, I have a partner, I don't have to pay an apartment for an apartment by myself or anything like that. But I don't know. I think that's the big thing. It's like, would you still want to do it even if you didn't make money? Would you still want to do it even if no one approved of it? And like, that's the thing. That was a, me and my dad have a, not the best relationship, um, but that was something that he asked, like when I was a kid and said I wanted to be, like was like, I mean, not like a little kid, like, I don't know, like 
when I was getting more serious about, Hey, I want to be an actor when I grow up. And my dad asked, uh, well, what if you, what if you're never famous? What if you never get rich off of it? Would you still want to do it? And I was like, can't remember the ex- exactly what I said, but basically, yeah. Cause I'd be happy and I could always play mm-hmm. like a rich person. <laughs> like I could always play a famous person and that's the whole, you know, thing. It's not, it's the, the thing that I love to do, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that is like a, a big part of, um, how we get past all of the obstacles is just like, oh no, this, this, the action of doing this is what brings me joy. It's not the end product. The goal isn't really the thing. It's acting brings me joy, actual acting. So just act all the time. And for me, community organizing, the act of like meeting with people and just being like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And how can we do this? Like it brings me the kind of joy that I don't, experience anywhere else so I know that's what I'm supposed to do and it's not because I think I'm going to be a CEO of a business it's not because I want a bunch of money I've never had money I don't even know what that's like I'm not motivated by that but it's just at the end of the day if I'm not doing that I'm not alive and so I know I'm always going to you can you can throw whatever you want at me you can call me a failure all you want you can criticize my my personality the way I look whatever you want this is still what I'm going to do I don't know. It might transform into other things, but it's just, it's just my essence and it makes me really happy. And I think so many people see people doing their passion and they want it for the wrong reasons right. because of the power that it, it brings them or whatever it is, the money or the attention. So then they go out of it and then, and they try Yeah. So we have a lot of, um, people that are really confused about what the thing is. Um, not to say that like, you know, I've done that before where I really love music and I'm like, oh, maybe I want to play music and I'll get like really distracted by that and I'll start studying it and all this stuff. And then at some point I'm just like, okay, Nicole, like what, is this really what you want to do? Like you want to, is this what you want to do? Is there something, something else? And so, um, but it's okay to do that. Like if you're if you're enjoying it at the time, also. Yeah. You know? Well, what like, I I have like my little um, drum and I play that every. So I still get to do something, but it takes no talent and I have rhythm, which is good. That not everybody <laughs> has that, you know. But yeah, I think I think it's interesting, and I, I definitely had that with the, the yoga world of just you know teaching exercise yoga classes for years, and me just being like, I'm a philosopher, like why am I doing this? I don't care about this at all. Like the only kind of exercise I really like is walking. You know, I'm, I'm not here to give you pushups. Um, so just kind of realizing, oh, I like to help people relax and to help them focus and, and, and seeing how I fit into that. And now I only teach super relaxing yoga and, and, you know, sticking with something, even though I wasn't completely sure where it was going, but knowing that it kind of was going to make sense at some point. Um, so for the, for the acting, um, are you just doing auditions on a, no, um, no, like that. And I, I do need to do that also because that's like, that would lead to more that that's like why the agent thing was Mm -hmm. bumming me out because then they could send me on it. Um, and I'm not, it's not like I'm 
I'm happy doing the stuff with the theater company, um, and I'm in this acting class. And it's not that I want to keep just do that, but it's like, I don't know. I had a, a coach talk about that recently too. Like, there's a couple of schools of thought. One, and this is what I did that burned me out when I got to New York is like auditioning all the time, like every day for everything. Um, but that can burn you out, especially if you're just auditioning for stuff that you don't necessarily even want to do in particular um, versus being more targeted with it and like find like finding projects that you really want to be in. Yeah. Well, if you get like rejected from something you didn't even want, that's like, even was like, I was stretching my, but it's, in- <laughs> but it's interesting. Like when, when you audition for something, even if you don't want it, um, the rejection still feels the same. Yeah. So, why put yourself through yeah. that? I'm not sure the answer on that, but like, yeah. So I'm, I'm figuring, I'm kind of doing it, trying to be more strategic mm-hmm. this time. Um, I also wonder if that whole industry is going to start shifting now that there's definitely something happening there where um, it'll be easier. So do you have an agent at this point? No. 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 Um Working on it. Working on like, it. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, like, uh, before that, um, with the theater company, like, I've started writing some things. Mm. Um, some of them general things. Um, but there's one thing that I'm writing that's sort of for me anyway. Mm. So, um, Would you do it as a play or as a I'm film? thinking both. As I'm both. thinking a play and a webisode series. Webisode series. Awesome. It's about a driver, actually. There you go. Um yeah, so there's about 40 pages of that. Awesome. There have been 40 pages for months now. I haven't written anything in months, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's like the big... I'm I'm interested to see how like a lot of that artistic group comes back around because I think everyone kind of had the wind knocked out of them at some point because it, it, it just seemed... Everyone was so talented and it was so wild and amazing that when it didn't... Not like people didn't go out and get fame. I guess other than El King, you know, no one else really yeah. did that. It was just like, wait, were we crazy? Like, was it not really happening? Um, and I think uh, just being so close in dynamics and that comparison and of each other to each other and kind of that thing might have needed some time to air so people can find their authentic voice. And so I'm interested to see what this next cycle is going to happen. Um, I know that Jupiter astrologically something has shifted. so once all of that fell apart there was like a planetary shift and it just moved out of that so I think it's actually going to be a much better time for creativity and everything like that and it's also an interesting cycle of just seeing I know uh with this collective uh that I was just talking about the one that I'm moving on from um a big part of my journey has been like the spiritual world and then like this artistic side that really matters to me. And so there's me trying to balance being people's teacher, but then also like I have like a desire to like, I don't know. I like the rock star type vibe in general. I just do. And it's never going to go away. I'm never just going to be, you know, a monk. It's just not going to happen. And what I was really trying to do is see if I could like bring the two worlds together 
And I don't, I, I think maybe that's possible at some point, or maybe one connection needs to just kind of die completely. But it is interesting that we're having this conversation now. Um, but uh, yeah, just kind of it, when that didn't work out, because a person that I was working with was from that other collective, it seemed to me as like, these things don't belong together and, and stop trying <laughs> to make this old. Like I didn't even realize I was still trying to make the potion thing work in some capacity. Yeah. And it's, it's just an interesting, um, yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm with you on that. Like that's part of like my thoughts on the podcast is in like in the short term, it's its own thing, but I definitely want to, organize shows again and stuff like that um and i thought i'd like initially i I was planning on doing that sooner um but i think like one big takeaway i had from like potion and from like collectives is um to hold on to yourself also Mm -hmm. um because that's where it gets tricky um, to realize that to take things like to realize how to like be a part of things. And and so like, even with the, the theater company um, we were like spitballing ideas. And one thing I put out there was like, just kind of a general thing. Like, Oh, let's go big. And kind of thinking of just like, Oh, this is all a hands on deck, like organized. Like, yeah, let's do this. Like, let's go big. On the other hand, some other ideas I had, which I threw out there, I don't know how other people felt about them, but to remember, um, you can be a part of like a group and then you can still pursue the things you want to do on your own. Like it'll, and it'll never be, what's scary about pursuing things on your own is when you like the, like when you like the team collaborative thing. Um, it's scary to like step out on your own and do something, but it's not going to be on your, you know what I mean? You're going to look for individual things, just put together other groups of people, you know? Yeah. You're never really on your own, I guess. And I think it's, it's, it's really just finding the right people to collaborate with, which is, is a, a difficult thing. But I think with the whole collective idea it's just like yeah not trying to get everything in there and one thing because also you do lose yourself in a way and I think that was a big thing that I learned was just I put way too much of myself into this project and when it didn't work out it was just like oh you don't do that like it's just you figure out how to do something without making like I didn't realize I was doing that it and now looking back I'm like oh my god that was such it wasn't coming from like an ego trip it was just like this is all that I know so we'll make it this um and it yeah but when when you are collaborating with people in that in that way and you put too much of yourself in there that leaves you in a place where you're super vulnerable and it's almost dangerous to collaborate yeah. Um, so it is good to have these other projects. And I, I think that's the one thing I've learned from all of this was like, okay, you have your thing, you can have this other community and then you and, and trying to find a balance between all of that. And I know for me, I'm an introvert 
and an extrovert. So it's super, super confusing. You know, I love huge crowds. I love leading a big giant classroom. I love all of that, but also I need two days a week where I don't make any contact with any human being, um, in order to live. And, um, so really just finding a balance for all the things in life so that we are really, really fulfilled. And we're, there's no part of us that's like pitted in despair or anything like that. Um, and I think the most important thing for me right now is just showing up to my best to each of the things that I need to do. Um, typically what happens is if my business life is doing super well, my relationship just plummets. Yeah. Um, or... <laughs> Yeah, or I just like don't see friends. If my relationship is going really well, I won't see my friends for a really long time or whatever. And I think at this point, in order to really thrive in our creativity and our in our um, careers and our home life, it's really just focusing more on how we're balancing it. And and whenever we are collaborating, like actually showing up and being present with those people. But when we're not there, you know, you can have like insights or whatever, but just like leaving it there and then being present with who you are and that seems to be working. But of course, you know, there's the moments where you fall into regret or you fall into all the other things. But I'm, I'm super interested to see what happens because I, I do think um, there's a big shift happening. A lot of the people that were from the, the, from Potion, you know, their, their lives have completely changed in the last year. We all had like a really rough year. It's wild. It's just like an interesting dynamic but I think everyone left feeling like they knew themselves a little bit more and it's also interesting to see how we're all still connected even though we don't really spend time together um and maybe we didn't all have a rough year but a lot of people did I know marriages ended and yeah I just heard about some of that and that's just like wait no (laughs) but also like oh okay I, I get what you know something is happening so I'm interested to see what comes out when people are more authentic and hopefully the ones that truly truly were in their authenticity and their passion creating come back to create um I know that I miss I miss some of that work a lot and for years I just didn't even listen to music anymore because I'm like well I you know nothing on the radio is going to make me feel the way that made me feel um so whether it be collectives you know Chris Carr with his his art studio that was so cool to be like in Greenpoint and see him and just like oh my god like you're right around the corner there's going to be an art studio next you know um Jake has his cartoon I you know I don't think he ever wants it to be the most famous thing in the world but that's super inspiring just seeing him commit to that and what's his cartoon predators pre-editors predators nice Mm -hmm. have you seen it I may have seen it. How long has it been going? It's been going for, I think we're, we just had the 50th episode. Um, I'm a character in the show. My character's name is Jordan. And she's a lot like me. Um, but she has blonde hair and maybe, yeah. But anyway, she it's a really funny, cute little like three minute a pop show. And it, it's just kind of commentary of what we're going through uh here i should talk to him at some point yeah yeah you should uh but it's like a cartoon hipster office basically nice (laughs) like it uh yeah the office cool um well i think that was a great conversation it's great to catch up with you um i think you're like your heart seems super open to me 
like as always. Um, but I know, like I know about the ups and downs and the pain, but as far as you worrying that your heart got, I mean, I think you know that it's opening back up, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I can't, I don't see any jadedness there. I see same old good Nicole. Yeah. Thank you. Um, do you have any, uh, final thoughts? Um, everyone should come and get their, uh, bras fitted at the rack shack. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really lovely uh, woman working here that would love to to do that for you. Thank you for saying that. And check out Nicole um, and Glowing Heart. Um, and thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for sitting down and talking with me. So that was my conversation with Nicole Lanhuli. Um, I really enjoyed catching up with her. She's a sweetheart, isn't she? Um, check out Glowing Heart Reiki. The links to all of her things will be on the show notes for this. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts and on BushwickVarietyShow.com. Um, if you were waiting all day for me to release this episode, sorry it came out later. Um, I went to a couple auditions today. I think they went pretty well. I'm not going to talk about what they are. I'm not going to jinx things. Uh, but uh, yeah, doing my thing. Do your thing. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review, and share if you like the show so far. Um, Hit me up. Let me know what you're up to if you want to come on the show and talk about things. And I'll be back here Monday and Thursday every week. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Do your thing. Peace. Peace.